What's up, y'all? This is John Lawrence with Anesthesia Guidebook. This is episode 65. This is the hour-long rundown on the CPC program. So episode 64 was a 10-minute quick overview. This is an hour-long deep dive into the CPC program. It's going to walk you through all the Class B credit opportunities you've got, what the breakdown is, how to get the credits, how to report those, uh, tips for Class A and Class B credits. It's going to be a very thorough rundown on the CPC assessment, how to schedule that, options between in-person testing versus uh, like at a Pearson testing center versus online at your house. So this is this is the full rundown. Um, I recorded this and then I was a little frustrated that it was an hour long and I realized that you know some people might just want a quick 10-minute overview. So that's why I did episode 64. This is the full rundown. So let's get to it. So CPC program is the Continued Professional Certification Program of NBCRNA, the board certification organization for CRNAs. And I did a show a couple years ago with uh, a couple representatives from NBCRNA. So John Preston, who at the time was the chief credentialing officer, and Lisa Kamen, who is an association organizational management specialist. So we recorded an episode on the CPC program back in 2019, April of 2019. I'm not bringing that podcast forward from the head of the bed to Anesthesia Guidebook because some things have changed in the CPC program, and I want to give you a fresh rundown. I'm going to try to keep this brief. This is an unscripted podcast, and normally I type out exactly what I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to kind of fly off the cuff here a little bit, and I'm following the outline of a PowerPoint that I've given for a one-hour talk on a rundown of the CPC program at various uh, state association conferences and national anesthesia conferences. So I've been talking about the CPC program for a couple years at conferences because it's something that's concerning for CRNAs. It's something that can be a little confusing to keep all the ducks in a row and keep stuff situated. So I'm going to give you a rundown. I just talked about this at the Idaho State Association back in late January, and I'm headed to Ohio in March next month to chat with them about this as well, uh, along with some other topics. So on the website in the show notes, I'm going to put up a chart, a picture from NBCRNA that gives an overview of the whole program. So if you've got that available to you on your phone, or if you want to go to the show notes and pull that up while we talk, it will help make sense of things. But I try to describe it verbally for you, since I know you may be on a commute or uh, running on the treadmill or whatever it might be, or outside on the trail, whatever. So we're going to talk about the program at a glance. So what's required when? Then we're going to cover class A and class B credits and how to report those. We'll touch on the two-year check-in and the renewal of certification requirements and process. We'll cover core modules, what core modules are and when those are required. And then we're going to talk about the CPC assessment, which is the exam. And that's the thing that a lot of people are most concerned about. So we'll spend some time on that and break that down in terms of when you should take it, how you should take it, where you should take it, and some tips for taking the exam. And uh, then we'll wrap up with kind of some you know closing thoughts. But we might touch on what other uh, anesthesia providers are doing, physician anesthesiologists, AAs, nurse practitioners. So all these folks have some sort of a continued certification program or renewal of certification program where con ed is required. And this one is just the unique flavor for CRNAs. So let's get into it. So there are four parts to the CPC program. It's class A credits, class B credits, so con ed credits, 
the CPC assessment or exam, and these core modules. So we'll talk about each of these as we go. The CPC program is designed in an eight-year timeline. Uh, so you've got two four-year cycles in the CPC program. In each four-year cycle, CRNAs are required to get 60 Class A credits, 40 Class B credits, do four core modules on four specific topics. You're going to do a two-year check-in in the middle of each four-year cycle. And at the end of each four-year cycle, you're going to renew your certification. There's a fee associated with that. We'll talk about that. And then once in an eight-year cycle, during the second four-year cycle, you'll take the CPC assessment or the exam. And we're going to break down each of these pieces and parts as we go. So the CPC program started in 2016. NBCRNA was cooking this up for years prior to that, and it launched and went live in 2016. So CRNAs entered based upon the year of your renewal. So it's you're either in an odd year or an even year. And those who entered in 2016, y'all renewed your certification in 2020, and you've got the second four-year cycle from 2020 to 2024 to take your CPC assessment. And then if you're like me and you renewed your certification in 2017, then your first four-year cycle ended last year in 2021. So I renewed my certification again in 2021. And then I'm in my second four-year cycle now, and I've got until 2025, uh, the end of July, 2025, the cycles always end in July. So I've got till July, 2025 to take the test. So I actually already took the exam. I took the exam back in November because I wanted to take it as early as possible in order to bring you this podcast, in order to give you a rundown on what the exam is actually like, which we'll talk about soon. So a little bit of breakdown on some other dates to cue you in. If you're a new grad, if you graduated last year in 2021, you've got till 2029 to take the CPC assessment. So you probably still have PTSD from the NCE, the National Certification Exam. The CPCA, the CPC assessment or exam is nothing like the NCE. It's, I mean, it's way easier. Uh, and there's some other differences, which we'll talk about here in a minute. And then if you're going to be a new grad this year in 2022, you've got eight years before you have to take the CPC exam. So you've got till 2030 before that exam is going to come up. So again, eight-year cycle overall, two four-year cycles, and uh, we'll break down the requirements for each as we go. So let's talk about Class A and Class B. You have to get 60 Class A credits every four-year cycle. Now, a Class A credit must be prior approved by the AANA. So whoever is offering these has gone through an approval process, has applied, has paid a fee, and gotten these prior approved by the AANA. So they are anesthesia-related topics that have been approved by the AANA. What's interesting is that it's the AANA, the American Association of Nursing Anesthesiology, that actually approves these credits, but the credits are part of NBCRNAs, board recertification process. So two separate organizations, just to make it clear as mud. Uh, the Class A credits have to include an assessment. So if you're taking them online or some sort of a journal course, you're going to have some sort of a quiz associated with Class A credits. If you go to a conference, there's typically not an assessment that's required because the proof is the sign-in that you actually were there and you participated in the educational session. Uh, Class A credits are reported for you. So remember, you're getting these through some sort of an organization that has gotten these credits approved and is offering them. And you're typically paying that organization to 
uh, get these credits for you and or provide these credits, offer these credits to you. And so that organization, the conference provider, the journal course provider, the online educational program, when you complete those credits, you pass the test, you fill out the eval, they report the class A credits for you. Even if you get a little conference certificate at the end of the conference that says, you know, you were here for 20 credits, you don't have to do anything with that. That's just for your records, they're going to report those credits for you to the AANA if you're a member. That's why conferences always ask for your AANA member number or the NBCRNA. So one cool thing about Class A credits is that you are required to get 60 of those in a four-year cycle. If you get more than 60, the ones over 60 hours automatically count as class B credits. So now you know you got to get 40 class B credits. So let's say in a four-year cycle, you get, for whatever reason, 65 class A credits. Well, five of those credits are going to click over and just count as class B credits because they're extra. And so instead of needing 40 class B credits, you'll only need 35 class B credits for that cycle. So more on that here in a minute. So let's talk about class B credits. These are mainly credits that give you credit for anything that you're doing professionally uh, within your career. So a lot of stuff that you're already doing, you could report that professional activity and get that classified as class B credits. I'm going to talk to you about what counts and how to report those. So this really awards or rewards your professional activities. You have to get 40 of these in a four-year cycle. They do not require prior approval or an assessment. It it's just stuff that you're already doing. If you're an AANA member, you can report your credits through AANA.com. If you're not an AANA member, you will report your credits directly to NBCRNA, but only if you're audited. So when you renew as a non-AANA member, you will attest that, yes, I met the requirements for the CPC program. You're going to attest that to the NBCRNA. And then if they audit you, you will have to provide proof that you actually did all of the credits. Now, side note, I think everyone should be an AANA member. If you're not, uh, I think that's silly. I think you should support the organization. They do tons of advocacy, not just political advocacy, but promotion and education for CRNAs, uh, lots of health and wellness resources. You know, if you're frustrated with some element of the AANA, that's the opportunity to engage, not disengage. If you want to see something change, then get involved, uh, share your voice, and let's make the association better. So moving on, what counts as a Class B credit? I'm not going to roll through everything for you. There's a list of probably, I don't know, 15 different categories of activities, but pretty much it covers anything that's remotely related to your professional life. So any non-prior approved, non-assessed credit, uh, uh, continuing education um, opportunity. So if you go to a Grand Rounds, if you go to a non-anesthesia conference, but it's related to healthcare or something, a one hour of Con Ed is one hour Class B credit. Now, interestingly, podcasts count for that too. So every podcast you listen to that's related to anesthesia will count as class B credit. You just report that you listen to it and they count in 15 minute increments. So if it's a 30 minute podcast, you get a half hour of Con Ed credit uh, that classifies as class B. Now, if it's a class A credit, remember, you're probably having to pay for that podcast. You're probably having to do some sort of quiz at the end and fill out an evaluation. But any free podcast you listen to, including this one, including whatever your other favorite podcasts are, it doesn't have to be by a CRNA, if it's a podcast related to anesthesia, it's counting as class B credit. And I'm going to tell you how to report that here in a minute. Academic credits. So one credit hour are three class B credits. 
So if you're a master's prepared CRNA and you're working on your DNP, every credit hour of grad school for your doctorate counts as a class B credit. Now, I've been asked before by SRNAs, do my credits count from going through grad school towards the CPC program? They do not. So CPC program starts after you become a credentialed CRNA. So uh, just be stoked that you finished your doctorate degree and you got your DNP or DNAP and your CRNA, and then you're going to enter the CPC program. You got plenty of time to get these other credits. If you do a presentation, so if you give a grand, grand rounds talk or if you present at a conference, you get one hour of, excuse me, a one hour presentation is three credits. Uh, you can also get credits for, you know, publishing a book, publishing a chapter in a textbook, publishing a peer review article, all of that stuff counts as credits. Interestingly, if you precept, every day you precept counts as a class B credit, one class B credit. So you need 40 hours in a four-year cycle. If you're precepting 10 days a year, you're done with class B credits. You just have to report those hours that you're precepting. And it's pretty easy. You just state that on this day, I precepted someone. They, they're not going to, you know, kind of drill down and check. You don't need any clinical evaluation from the day. There's an element of integrity in class B reporting. You just state what you did. And I think, I think they ask for the email and name of someone who could verify, but you know, there's close to 60,000 CRNAs in the United States. The NBCRNA is not checking to see if you actually, you know, precepted on a particular day. So they're trusting you to be uh, someone with integrity and report these things accurately. So a couple other things that are interesting, if you're in any kind of clinical administration or leadership, so if you're a chief CRNA, if you're SRNA clinical coordinator, like what I do at my hospital, uh, if you're a subspecialty leader, like you're the thoracic team lead or the pediatric team lead, one year of those activities gets you five credits. So if you do that all the time, I've been the clinical coordinator for years. Every year I'm the clinical coordinator, I get five class B credits. So in a four-year cycle, that's 20 credits. And then I precept students, I'm done with class B credits. I don't have to worry about it. Uh, if you are in a subspecialty role, so if you're on a specialty team, if you do pain management, if you have an austere role, like you do a combat, combat deployment, you get credit for that. If you are on a committee, every year you're on a healthcare-related committee, either at your facility, within the state. So if you're on the board for your state association, if you're on a national committee, every year you're on one of those committees, you get five credits. If you do a service trip, like a mission trip or a diplomatic trip, you get five credits per trip. If you go to a national legislative day or a state legislative day or a career day at a local high school, you get credit for that. If you're involved in quality improvement projects or if you're doing your DNP dissertation, you get additional credit class B for that. If you take a life support course, so interestingly, ACLS and PALS can be pre-qualified as class A credit as long as the person providing that course sets them up and gets pre-approval for class A credit. Now, I just taught a PALS and ACLS course for my local group of CRNAs last weekend, and I was a bit of a schmuck. I didn't get that set up as class A credit ahead of time, so I apologize, uh, local Southern Maine CRNAs. Uh, but you can still report the hours that we were in class together as class B credit if you wanted to. And uh, there's other stuff, you know, if you create a product or if you integrate a new clinical uh, skill. So if you haven't been using ultrasound, so the product thing, if you create a product, you get 10 class B credits. You know, if you write a book, 
you get 10 class B credits. Those are pretty heavy duty things to do. But if you're doing them, then you're getting credit for it. And then if you integrate a new clinical skill, like you haven't been using ultrasound, you start using ultrasound, any new clinical skill that you integrate into your practice counts as three class B credits. So that's kind of the rundown on what's available. Pretty much anything you're doing professionally, it's going to count as a class B credit. You just have to report it. And then I want to remind you that any class A credits over the 60 in a four-year period count as class B credits. So if you're someone that goes to a conference every year and you get 20 credits from that conference in a four-year cycle, that's 80 credits, then you got 80 class A credits, 20 of those, 20 above 60, are going to count as 20 of your class B credits. So then you, out of your 40 class B credits, you only have to do 20 other class B credits in a four-year cycle. It's super easy to get these credits. It's not something you need to worry about. So how do you know what you have? If you're an AANA member, log into aana.com. That might be the most challenging thing of the whole process, remembering your password. You might have to like reset your password and figure that out for both the AANA and NBCRNA websites. But when you log on to aana.com, the first thing that pops up is a rundown on how many credits you have, how many credits you need. So my cycle, this last four-year cycle that I'm in right now, started back in August of 2021, and I've got till the end of July 2025, four-year cycle. I've already earned 50-some-odd Class A credits, 15 Class B credits. I rolled through Apex last fall, just went crazy on that, and got a bunch of credits over a CE week. So um, I'm almost done, even though I'm six months into this four-year cycle. So it can be pretty easy to keep up with your credits. Um, how do you report Class B credits? Right off of AANA.com's website, right off the front page, there's a button that says Submit Class B Credits. When you click on that, it's going to take you through a couple pages. You'll be directed to state the kind of activity you did, the date that you earned the credit, how many Class B credits, and then you have to upload some sort of a PDF file that uh, you know where you state what you did. Now, there's a hyperlink to the NBCRNA's website that gives you the rundown on what all the credit categories are. So right off of where you report it, there's a hyperlink to NBCRNA's website for the table that shows you what counts as Class B credit. On that table from NBCRNA, there are uh, specific PDFs that you can use. You don't have to use those, but you can use those PDFs to very easily state what you did. So for instance, for precepting, I keep a note on my phone and I write down all the days that I precepted. And then I can copy and paste that, drop it into a Word file, save that as a Word document or PDF, and then upload that. So I might have 10, 15, 20 days of precepting. I upload that form once and I state that I had 10, 15, 20 days of precepting. That's 10, 15, 20 class B credits, whatever it is. And then within a couple days, uh, you know, AANA will process that and you'll see those credits on your account. So let's move forward. Uh, so that's class A, class B credits. I hope that was a helpful breakdown. You shouldn't be stressing about getting those things. Um, interestingly, I will say this, our local anesthesia group, we got about a hundred CRNAs here in Portland, Maine. We do grand rounds every week as a department, along with the physicians, the residents, the SRNAs. So every week we, some, a, a subcommittee of our CRNAs classifies those grand rounds presentations. They get pre-approval for those to be class A credit for CRNAs. Now they're also classified as CME for the physicians, 
but we have taken the extra step to get them pre-approved for class A credits. So, you know, I'm not there 52 weeks out of the year, uh, but we do these weekly. I'm sometimes not there on the day that we're doing them. I'm off that day or I've got vacation or whatever, but I would say just showing up to work, just going to grand rounds as part of my job. I probably get, I don't know, 20, 30 class A credits a year just for going to work and participating in these grand rounds presentations. So it's pretty easy. You might think about doing that with your local group. The other thing with class B, another clever trick, it's not really a trick. It's just something you can do. So even if you're a small group of like independent CRNAs, you got three or four CRNAs, if you're doing work, if you're having business meetings, if you're having staff meetings, then, you know, if you're talking about quality, report that as a committee, you know, create a committee with your group of three CRNAs and you're the, you're the quality assurance committee for your practice. And you can report that activity as class B credit. So it's pretty straightforward to get those class B hours. So let's talk about the check-in renewal of certification and we'll touch on core modules and then we'll get to this CPC assessment. So the check-in happens every two years, midway through your four-year cycle. They call it, they used to call it officially the two-year check-in and now it's just called the check-in. What are you going to do during the check-in? It's at the two-year cycle. You're going to log into nbcrna.com, which again, could be a challenge. You might have to reset your password, figure that out. And when you do that, you're just going to verify your state license, confirm that you're still practicing, update your contact info, and then check your progress with the CPC program. It's going to show you how many class A credits you have, how many class B credits you have. And that's it. There's no fee required at the check-in. Again, the check-in is midway through each of your four-year cycles. You log in, you check the boxes, you're done. It will take you about five minutes, maybe six minutes if you have to reset your password. It's pretty simple. Uh, interestingly, you should update your contact info. When I did the interview with John Preston and Lisa came in back in 2019, they said that when they send out reminders to CRNAs via email that, hey, it's time for you to check in, they on average get a 30% uh, bounce back rate on their emails, meaning that 30% of the email addresses that CRNAs have given NBCRNA are not up to date. There's like failure to deliver the email. And then you hear those same CRNAs complaining that the NBCRNA never told them that it was time to check in or never told them that it, their certification was up and they needed to renew. Well, it's not NBCRNA's responsibility to keep your contact information up to date. It's your responsibility. So there's a little bit of professionalism that you got to take ownership of in this whole process. All right. So what happens at certification renewal? So your two-year check-in is midway through your four-year cycle. At the end of your four-year cycle, you'll go back and log into NBCRNA. You'll do the same things. Verify your state license, confirm you're still practicing, update your contact info, and then, quote, demonstrate compliance with the CPC program. So there's a hard stop that says, have you gotten 60 class A credits? Have you gotten 40 class B credits? And so you just check that box if you've got those credits. And then at the four-year cycle, at the end of the four-year cycle, when you renew your certification, there is a fee. It's a $250 fee. Now, historically, if you've been in CRNA for a long time, you remember that you paid $110 every two years. So that adds up to $220 every four. NBCRNA did just increase those fees to $250 for a four-year cycle. So the fees went up a little bit, but if you think about it, 250 bucks for four years of practicing as a CRNA, it's not that much. So uh, we could rant about that, but that's the fee and I'm going to move on. So what are core modules? 
core modules, there are four topics that are classified as core modules. The first is airway management. The second is applied clinical pharmacology. The third is human physiology and pathophysiology. And the fourth is anesthesia equipment and technology. So four areas. And core modules, they're typically computer-based learning programs. They can be offered in person. And that's kind of interesting. So most companies, and so these are private companies who are offering core modules. Uh, there's a handful of companies out there. So people like Apex, CRNA Education, there's a couple state associations that have classified some of their online learning as core modules. There are a couple of other private companies that are doing, you know, anesthesia conferences that have gotten those classified as core modules. And then, of course, the AANA offers a full set of four core modules. Uh, they usually have packages associated with them that bring the cost down and whatever for, for their members. So private companies are offering these core modules. Most of them are computer-based. You can find them in person. I would encourage you to actually check with the conference provider. Have, you know, if they're saying, hey, we've got an airway conference this weekend, it's set up as a core module with the uh, NBCRNA, you should verify, is this really a core module? Will this really count as a core module? Now, what you should know is that all core modules are pre-approved through the NBCRNA. These private companies are, pay a pretty substantial fee to get their content classified as a core module, they have to meet certain requirements in terms of objectives and learning outcomes and the assessments and that kind of stuff. And they're paying that fee every three to four years. They have to renew uh, their core modules every three to four years. So this is this is definitely an income stream for NBCRNA. But all of these core modules are pre-approved. And so they count as class A credit. So I want to be really clear on this. You are required to get... 60 hours of class A credit in a four-year period. Some of those 60 hours are going to be core modules. Core modules are not something you do in addition to 60 class A credits. So you might go to a conference three out of the four years, and then maybe one of those years choose to do core modules as part of your mission to get 60 class A credits. So keep that in mind. Now, you may be a little confused because... Uh, of this idea of like core modules being optional during your first four-year cycle. So this was the case when the CPC program rolled out in 2016. They made core modules optional from 2016 to 2020, or if you started in 2017, from 2017 to 2021. But now everyone is beyond that window. Everyone's in their second four-year cycle because the CPC program has been rolling for a little bit. So from henceforth, core modules are required every four-year cycle. And if you're a new grad, they're going to be required during your first four-year cycle. There's no more optional core modules. That's just when the CPC program rolled out. All right, so that's a bit on core modules. Now let's talk about the CPC assessment and wrap this podcast up. So the CPC assessment or exam is a 150 question, three hour computerized closed book test. Boom. It is not the NCE. So it's 150 questions. You're going to take all 150 questions. This thing does not shut off if you're uh, crushing it or if you're doing terribly. It doesn't shut off it early. Uh, you have three hours to take it, but you can take it in less time. It only took me 50 minutes. Five zero fifty 50 minutes to take the 150 question test. I was just answering questions, moving on, reading questions, taking questions, got done in less than an hour. You've got up to three hours to take it. 
you take this test once every eight years. So once every eight year cycle, you have to take this exam. It covers the same four domains as the core modules. So 34% of the exam is on airway management. 24% of the exam is on pharmacology. 24% of the exam is on human physiology and pathophysiology. And then 18% of the exam is on anesthesia equipment and technology. So the idea with the CPC program, the logic of the CPC program is that in your second four-year cycle, you would take a set of core modules. It's going to cover the four domains of the exam. And then after those core modules at the date of your choosing, you would sign up for this exam. So the core modules are supposed to be a very thorough, comprehensive prep for the exam. You don't have to do it like that. I didn't do it like that. I just took the exam as soon as I could. And in this last you know, four-year cycles, I got three and a half years left on the cycle. At some point, I got to take some core modules. I haven't taken those yet. But the logic is take the core modules and then at a later date, take the exam. And then the exam comes with a cost as well. The exam is two hundred and ninety-five dollars, uh, which is, you know, it's uh, it, it's a fee, but it's not it's not bad. You think that you know the NCE is a thousand dollars. This exam, their goal was to keep it less than three hundred bucks, and so far they have it's two hundred ninety-five dollars. So if you're following along, you got a two hundred fifty dollar uh, fee to renew your certification at the first four-year cycle. Another $250 fee at the next four-year cycle. So that's 500 bucks every eight years plus 295. You're coming in right under $800 uh, for an eight-year cycle. So about $100 a year is the payment to NBCRNA to be a CRNA. And some people really balk at that. They think that's way too much money. But I mean, you just got to kind of objectively compare that with the income you're making as a CRNA. It's not that bad. All right, let's move on. Uh, and then remember, you know, I, just a little bit on that. So I'm not, I'm not paid by the NBCRNA. I'm not representing the NBCRNA. Uh, this podcast has not been cleared by the NBCRNA, unlike our last show. So, but I will say, the NBCRNA is the board certification for CRNAs. It's the board certification organization for CRNAs. They own the CRNA credential. Uh, they are a massive organization. They have a large staff. They have to maintain relationships with all 50 boards of nursing in every state, plus DC, Puerto Rico, I think. Uh, so they, they are doing a lot of work beyond just setting up this CPC uh, program to uh, afflict you every year in getting credits. And then the other interesting thing is that the NBCRNA is actually accredited as a board organization. They don't just make up their own rules. As an accredited board organization, their accreditors uh, require them to offer some sort of a CPC program. You, as a board organization that's accredited, you have to uh, require your boarded members, those who hold your board certification, to do some sort of qualified ongoing assessments so that you're not just a CRNA who's never done con ed like that, that wouldn't be right. Right. So, uh, anyway, that's a little bit of context on the NBCRNA. So let's get back to the CPC assessment. The CPC assessment is not pass fail. It does not affect your credential. You could totally suck at this exam. You could blow the exam. And if you're deficient in all four domains, you will still be a CRNA. However, you will have to do remediation credits, one class A credit 
per domain that you are deficient in. Remember, there's four domains, airway, pharmacology, physiology and pathophysiology, anesthesia equipment. So let's say you take the exam, you get your results, you're deficient in pharmacology. That's all it's going to say. It's not going to give you a score or a printout. Uh, When I got my notice from the NBCRNA, it just said, congrats, you passed. Uh, It says, let's see, the uh, the scaled scoring range is from 300 to 900. So 300 to 900 is a scoring similar to boards performance at or above 450 meets the performance standard. And they say exact scores for individuals who meet or exceed the performance standard are not disclosed to prevent misuse of that information. So isn't that interesting? They don't tell you your specific score so that you don't go and tell your colleagues, Hey, I got a 895. What'd you get? Maybe I'm available for a promotion or a raise. Maybe you're not like it's, you know, or whatever, or you think about the legal framework, like, you know, your scores are, are not reported so that they're not misused. So anyway, coming back, if you're deficient in a domain, they will say, you know, John, you were deficient in pharmacology. And then the requirement is to then go take one additional class A credits before it's time for you to renew your certification. So that's important. That brings up this idea, this very strong recommendation from NBCRNA, the ANA, and yours truly. uh, I highly encourage you to take the exam at least six months before the end of your CPC cycle. Don't wait till June or July of your last four-year cycle to schedule this exam. Because if you're deficient, you will have to take additional class A credit to maintain your certification. Now, you're probably not going to be deficient. The exam overall is pretty easy. It is not the NCE. It's not the NCE in a couple ways. One, you have to take off 150 questions. Two, it's designed for practicing anesthesia providers. The questions are, when I when I took the exam, I can't, I can't tell you the specific questions or what was on the exam or roll through all of that. I, I will give you some, you know, some broad strokes on it. Uh, there's no short answer. There's no matching. There's no selecting a spot on a chart or a graph and dropping the pin to identify a particular nerve. It's pretty much multiple choice questions where you choose, you know, one answer or two answers, you know, select three of the four or whatever, you know, and they're, they're practical, like real life practice oriented questions. So, when I took the exam, I was I was a little surprised on one hand at how easy some of the questions were. I thought, you know, if I was a reasonable critical care nurse, I could probably pass most of this test. However, there were some questions where I was like, I haven't thought about that since anesthesia school. And I only thought about that for that one particular exam. You know, there's like, uh, well, I can't talk about the specifics. So there are there is some stuff on there where I'm like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't, looked at that. That's not part of my daily practice. And so I just kind of, there was, there was a fair bit of the test where I didn't, I didn't know the answer. Like I wasn't super confident in the answer and I just answered the question and moved on. I didn't worry about it because again, if you're deficient, all you have to do, it's one, it's not reported. It's not reported to your manager or your boss or anybody. It's confidential information. So then you just go take additional class A credit and you're done. I, I'm just going to go one layer deeper on this. There has been a overwhelming amount of stress in the anesthesia community about this exam. When NBCRNA first rolled it out, it was pass-fail. If you didn't pass the exam, you were not a CRNA. And there was a massive pushback against that. CRNAs were, you know, legitimately super stressed out about that. You know, never in the past was there a 
renew your certification by exam, high stakes, pass or fail, you're a CRNA or you're not a CRNA. It had never been like that before. It's like that to get your credential, to come out of school, you have to take boards, pass, fail, to become a CRNA. But then, you know, there was never a high, another high stakes exam. And the NBCRNA rolled this out as a high stakes exam. And because of the overwhelming pushback by the anesthesia community, and also because it's it's not like that for other anesthesia providers, NBCRNA changed their requirements. And they said, okay, this is not going to be, quote, pass-fail. It's not going to affect your credential, at least not right off the bat. Now, if you're deficient and you just say, screw it, I'm done, and you don't go take another Class A credit, which is so easy to do, yeah, that could, you know, if you're not in compliance with the CPC program, then that's going to threaten your credential. But it's very easy. You could be deficient in all four domains. All you have to do is go take four additional Class A credits, one in each domain, and you're good to go. There are still, even though this change has happened, where it doesn't affect your credential, there are still older CRNAs, CRNAs who are not super savvy with computers, or don't want to be bothered to have to go to a testing center or set up their computer at home. There's still CRNAs who are calculating when they plan to retire around whether or not they have to take this test. And I would say to you, even though I'm a much younger CRNA, I, I want this to come across with the most sincerity that I can garner. This exam is not overwhelmingly challenging. If you've been a CRNA for 30 years, 35, 40 years, you're going to do fine on this exam. It is tailored to clinical practice. Even if your practice has just been in a particular domain. So if you've like been an OB CRNA for 30 years and that's what you've done, this exam is not tailored towards a particular domain of anesthesia. I've rolled through the categories. You've got airway, farm, pathophysiology, and phys and anesthesia equipment and technology. It is broad strokes, basic clinical practice. You know, our chief CRNA took the pilot study when the exam rolled out and he's like, if you're a practicing CRNA, you should be able to pass this exam. Like it is baseline knowledge for CRNAs. So I just want to encourage you. I would not stress about this. I would not change your retirement date. If you've got to take the exam to cycle through another four years as a CRNA, just take the exam. Take the exam as early as you can. It's what I did. I took the exam in November. My cycle opened in August for the last four years. I took it in November. I'm done. I've got three and a half years on this rotation, on this cycle to take the exam. I'm already done. So if you think about it, I've got three and a half years right now where I don't have to take the exam. And then my next eight year cycle starts. I'm looking at 11 and a half years before I have to retake this exam. And it took me 50 minutes. It's not that big of a deal. Okay, so I'm going to get off that soapbox, and now I'm going to talk to you about a couple tips in decision-making around the exam. So you can take it at a testing center. It's going to be at a Pearson testing center, so it's very much like boards, or you can take it at home. I want to unpack this a little bit because this is a decision point for you. If you take it at a Pearson testing center, it's going to feel like when you took boards a little bit, like just the testing center part of it. You're going to log into NBCRNA. You're going to go to schedule your exam. You're going to select you want it at a Pearson Testing Center. You're going to have to find a Pearson Testing Center that's close to you. So this may incur travel, and I'm not insensitive to that. I live in Maine. We got some rural CRNAs that live hours and hours and hours away from the nearest Pearson Testing Center. So there is an at-home option. 
But if you go to Pearson Testing Center, I would highly recommend, and this is for SRNAs before you go take boards, or this is for CRNAs before you go take the CPC assessment, I would highly recommend that you find the Pearson Testing Center on your mapping software and that you physically go there before your test date. Go to the testing center. Find the building. These are classically in some nondescript gray office building or tucked away in some rando strip mall. So go find the testing center, figure out where you're going to park, find the door that you need to walk in. And then, you know, classically in these office buildings, signage is not great. You need to find some sort of directory. You got to find the what floor the testing center's on. You got to find the elevator. You get off the elevator. There's some gray hallway with office doors. There's there's not great signage a lot of times in these places. And you, you find some random office door that's the Pearson Testing Center. Walk in, say hello to the kind person sitting behind the desk. They're probably looking for some human interaction anyway. No offense, Pearson Testing Staff. And then leave the office where the testing center is and find the closest bathroom. Go find the bathroom. Find the door you go into, the elevator, the actual testing center, and the bathroom. That's your mission and where to park. And that will dramatically reduce your stress when it comes to taking this at a testing center. So now let's talk about taking it at home. Taking it at home is not a small deal. I took it at home and I would say setting my computer up to take it at home was the most challenging part of the entire exam. It's a little tricky. So uh, if you are not tech savvy, employ someone who is tech savvy. If like checking your email or resetting your password is like an eight out of 10 challenge for you in the tech world, find someone to help you with this. If you're fine with like downloading a software program and following directions, if you can... I don't mean to make little of this, but if you can follow direct, if you can read a direction set and just follow directions and click through things, you're going to be fine. It's not, it's not that big. You're not like programming computer code or anything. So the way you take it at home, you log on to NBCRNA, you schedule your exam. You say you want to take it at home. It kicks you to a third party company website, PSI and PSI will help you schedule your exam. And then to get your computer set up for it, you have to download Firefox or Chrome as your web browser. So if you're a Mac user and you're cruising on Safari all the time, you have to take the exam on Firefox or Chrome. So you're going to download that web browser. Then you got to use that web browser to log back into NBCRNA. It's going to send you back over to PSI, the third-party company. And then you have to, through PSI, download a secure browser. Now, this secure browser locks out your computer. It makes sure that no other programs are running. You don't have notes up. You don't have a textbook up, a digital textbook. You don't have the internet webs up, anything like that in the background. When you actually schedule your exam, when, when it's test date, you're going to log in, follow the directions, get into this secure interface, and then it will require you to shut down all of your other applications. And this was the first kind of stumbling block I hit. So I had shut down, you know, Spotify, the email all of these other you know, Word and all this, you know, all the applications running in the background, I shut all those down. And then the, the computer software still said, we're detecting programs that are running your, your, on your computer. And I was like, I've literally shut down everything. And then I forgot that my wife has her own login to our computer. So you open up the computer and you can log in as John or you can log in as Kristen. So I had to log out as John, log in as Kristen, go shut down all of her applications, log her off, 
then log back into John, get back into the secure browser, and then the browser was satisfied and said, okay, you've shut down all your applications. Even though I couldn't access her stuff through my window anyway, I had to go log her out of everything. So then once you're there, you have to do a couple other things. You gotta scan your room, the room you're taking the test in, with your computer camera. It wants to see that you don't have notes out, you don't have a textbook out. You have to take a picture of your government issued IDs. You gotta have your driver's license out or your password out. And you gotta take a selfie headshot. Now this seems like a lot of security, but remember, this is a legitimate board recertification exam. It's a full on like secure process. And they want to make sure that it is closed book, that you're not using notes, that you are who you say you are. And so it will scan your room. Like you have to pick up your computer and move your camera around to scan the room and then, you know, properly identify yourself. You will work with a proctor, a live human being proctor. As you take this exam, you won't see them and you won't speak to them verbally. They will be in a live chat box and they're going to be like, you know, we're getting your exam ready. Okay. You begin your exam. Let me know if you have any questions, that kind of stuff. So there is literally a live person sitting there for the duration that you take this exam. When you start the exam online, once you're actually in, it's pretty easy. So I just want to recap. It's a little difficult to get this thing set up, but once you're in, it's pretty easy. And I, I want to give you one piece of advice on where we're at right now in describing this. Your exam can be set for a particular time. So let's say 9.15 is your start time in the morning. I would recommend that you start the long on process half hour, 45 minutes before your exam window. You might run into stuff like, oh, I've got to go log my significant other out of all of their login stuff and shut down their programs. I got a little stressed just prior to the exam because there's this like, if you're 15 minutes late to your exam, you miss your exam window and you forfeit your fee. So I was starting to freak out a little bit because I was just trying to log into the damn program, you know, but once I finally got in, it was pretty easy. So give yourself a half hour before you're like, don't log in five minutes before your exam and think you're going to make it on time. So just like going to piercing testing center, give yourself plenty of time to actually log in from home. You still can take it in sweatpants and a t-shirt if you want, but uh, you need to give yourself time to log in. So once you're in, it's pretty easy. There's an overall countdown timer from 180 minutes. So remember it's a three hour exam. So it's going to start at 180 minutes and it's going to count down. You will see that timer the whole time. And then there's also a counter from one to 150 questions and it will give you, you will know exactly where you are. If you're on question 23, it's going to show that you've taken 23 questions and you've got however many questions left out of 150. So you take the exam. It's pretty simple. When you answer a question, you move on. You can't go back and change your answer. And I would encourage you, just like any test, relax, read the question carefully, answer the question, move on. If you don't know the answer, don't worry about it. Remember in that moment, this does not count towards my credential. If I'm deficient, I just have to take one additional class A credit and move on. And when you're done with the exam, uh, you'll be finished. They'll request that you fill out a little survey and then you're done. The interesting thing right now is that there's like an eight week lag time before you get your results. And that was the other kind of frustrating thing about the exam. Unlike the NCE, you do not immediately get your results, whether you passed or whether you were deficient in a particular domain. 
So I took the exam November 14th, 2021. I got my results late January. So, you know, eight to 10 weeks later or something like that. And uh, I was not supposed to get them till mid-February. So they did come a little bit early. I will, I will give the NBCRNA that. And the reason for that lag time right now in 2021, 2022, is that the NBCRNA is continuing to run statistical analysis on how people actually take the exam. So they're still studying this process and looking for ways to improve the process. The goal eventually will be for you to take the exam and you get immediate results, but they're still kind of testing and refining the whole process. So when I got my results, it was through an email and it was just a letter that said, congratulations, you passed. And that was it. So pretty easy breezy overall. Again, I would just encourage you, you know, the exam is a huge headache for lots of people. I wouldn't stress about it though. This is not something you need to worry about. And I hear you. I've talked to CRNAs who have decades of experience and they're very concerned about taking this test. We're, we're overachievers. We're high performers. Uh, it's normal to want to do well on something, but I would encourage you to just not stress about this exam. Take it early, get it out of the way, and you'll realize how easy it is. There's a few tips I want to give you in closing about crushing the whole CPC program, dialing this thing in, making it easy, and uh, we'll end with that. So number one, log in to aana.com and see where you're at. It might be the biggest step out of the whole process. Figure out your password, log in, check where you're at. And then meet these next two deadlines early. Report your Class B credit early. Don't wait till, you know, the middle of July of your four-year cycle to figure out what Class B credits you need to get. Just get them out of the way. I'm almost done with all of my Class A and my Class B credits, and I have three and a half years left in this cycle. Once you're done, you're cruising. It's easy breezy. So report your Class B credits ahead of time. Stay on top of getting your Class A credits. And then the other deadline to do early is take your CPC exam at least six months before the deadline. Take it three years before the deadline. Like get it out of the way. Just take it early and you won't have that looming over you in the back of your mind. And then you can rest assured that you've got the whole rest of that four-year cycle and then two more four-year cycles before you have to see that exam again. And who knows? It might be totally different in the future. NBCRNA is continuing to assess whether or not to even have the exam. They're looking at, they're starting a study right now on longitudinal assessment for CRNAs and trying to base that on simulation. So can we test CRNAs on an ongoing basis to make sure that they're still uh, qualified to be a CRNA? So third tip. Uh, so first one, log into aana.com. Second one, meet the two deadlines early. Report your Class B credits. Take your CPC assessment early. Third tip, find some core modules that you're stoked about. Find a company that you like. Take those core modules. These are private companies offering these things. These are not, even though they're you know, qualified by the NBCRNA, they're private companies. And not all of them are equal quality. Like they're not all good. And I think the market will weed out the ones that are not interesting, that are too boring, that are too tedious. So talk to your friends, get online, ask people, what core modules do you like? Which ones have you found? And um, take some ones that you enjoy. I have not taken them yet, so I can't give you any tips on what's good or what's not. When I finally take them, you'll probably have a podcast on that. Uh, be open-minded about the whole process. You know, we have to maintain our credential. Uh, remember the NBCRNA is accredited by outside organizations that require something like the CPC program. 
And you have to think about, you know, if you took boards and you never did any con ed for the rest of your life, is that really fair to your patients? Is it fair to the public to say you're a CRNA, but no one's ever made sure that you actually know what you're doing? I don't think it would be fair. Um, and neither does the NBCRNA or their accreditors. So real quick, what are other providers doing? Well, pretty much everyone's got some sort of a continued certification process. So I averaged out in a 10-year time frame how many hours each kind of anesthesia provider is required. In CRNAs, if you get 100 hours every four years, that's 250 hours in 10 years. That's exactly what's required by physician anesthesiologists. So they do 250 hours in 10 years. Physician anesthesiologists, those who are actually boarded, which is interesting. You don't have to be boarded uh, in some organizations to work as a physician anesthesiologist. But if you are boarded, yes, they have to renew by exam. They do this as an ongoing basis where they take 120 questions uh, I think on an annual basis. And then CRNAs, your recertification, you're getting reboarded by exam, which again is 150 questions every eight years. And then there is a practice requirement for being a CRNA, and there is a practice requirement for being a board certified anesthesiologist. Interestingly, um, AAs, they recertify every six years. They do 200 credits in a 10 year cycle. So they're required to do 40 hours every two years. They also take an exam to renew their certification, yet uh, I couldn't find on their website that there's a practice requirement. So that's interesting. And then nurse practitioners, I also looked at nurse practitioners and nurse midwives. Those kind of vary um, for both nurse midwives and nurse practitioners, regardless if you recertify through the AANP or the ANCC. So NPs have two board certification organizations they can go through. Um None of them require 250 hours in 10 years. I think AANP requires 200 hours in 10 years. ANCC requires 150 credits every 10 years. Recertifying my exam is optional for NPs. And then they have some specific hour requirements actually for their practice requirements. So they both have, um, well, actually one has, AANP has a practice requirement. ANC uh, does not. So anyway, um, interesting to see what other providers are doing out there. What else in closing? So here's some final tips for crushing the exam and then we're out. So my encouragement for you, take the exam early, get it out of the way. Don't sweat your score. It's not pass fail and it does not affect your credential plan. Just go ahead and plan to take additional class A credits. I left the exam I, I left the exam, even though there were some questions on there, where I was like, well, you know, a uh, critical care nurse would know this information. I left the exam overall and I was like, well, I probably failed that. Like there's enough stuff on there. Where I was like, I don't know. I haven't thought about that since anesthesia school. I was like, I probably, I probably failed that. I'll probably be deficient in some domain and I'll probably have to take some class A credit. And then I was pleasantly surprised that I passed the exam. So even if you think you totally bombed it, you're probably doing fine, but just plan to take additional class A credit. So I took it you know, three and a half years early. And I'm like, I know I'm going to take class A credit. I know I usually get more than 60 hours of class A credit in a four-year cycle. So I'm just going to take this exam, get it out of the way. I'm going to take some class A credit and I'm going to be done. And then just relax, relax about the exam. It's a celebration of knowledge. It's your opportunity to show the world, well, at least show the NBCRNA what you know. And I wouldn't worry about it. And then remember, you need to decide to take it in person or at home. And I've talked to you all about how to 
make that easier. So if you're doing it in person at a Pearson testing center, do your drive-by of the testing center early, uh, figure out how to get there and walk in ahead of time and plan that out. If you're taking it at home, just read all of the directions really carefully. Make sure you have the computer and the specs, you know, the Wi-Fi and all that kind of stuff in a, in a time and space where you're, you know, you're kid free and like you're not getting deliveries or whatever. Like you can actually focus for a couple of hours to take this test and then sign in at least 30 minutes early before your exam. The NBCRNA has podcasts and videos about how to choose whether to take it in person or whether to take it at a testing center. Go to the NBCRNA's website. They have resources available. This podcast you're listening to is not the only podcast out there on the CPC exam. NBCRNA has provided videos and podcasts that will help you think about the exam, prepare for the exam, and make decisions around whether to take it in person or at a testing center. And then lastly, NBCRNA also provides practice exams. There is a free, quote, quick 20. They call it the quick 20. There's 20 questions available through NBCRNA's website for free. I would highly encourage you, go take the quick 20. And then they also offer two 40-question practice exams for a fee. You can buy one exam for 30 bucks, or for both exams, you can get them for $50. Each exam, each practice exam counts as two class A credits. So you can get four class A credits for 50 bucks through the NBCRNA. And the exams are 40 questions. So you're going to see 80 questions. But the bank of questions for each exam is actually 80 questions for each exam. So there's 160 questions total. If you pay 50 bucks, you're going to get four class A credits and you're going to see 160 practice questions that are very similar to what you're going to see on the CPC assessment. If you go take the quick 20, those questions are like, it is as if you're taking the CPC assessment. They are very, very similar. I'm going to give you a couple of those examples right now and then we're out. So question number one, this is right off of the quick 20. A main stem intubation is more likely to occur with select two of the following. So we're talking about a main stem intubation is more likely to occur with A, neck extension, B, neck flexion, C, supine position, D, Trendelenburg position. And that's right, class. You have to select two, and it's B, neck flexion flexion D Trendelenburg position. You know that if you're a CRNA, you know that next question, which is a clinical feature of pulse oximetry. A, it is unaffected by ambient light. B may be limited with hypothermia. C produces no variability with motion artifact. D provides accurate measurement with methemoglobinemia. You know this. So the answer is B, it may be affected or it may be limited by hypothermia. So the question was, which is a clinical feature of pulse oximetry? B, it may be limited with hypothermia. Again, if you're a CRNA, you know that kind of information. Right? So here's another one off the quick 20. 
the most appropriate treatment for a 75 kilogram male who develops a laryngospasm that cannot be relieved by a positive pressure ventilation is the administration of, and your four options are A, lidocaine, 100 milligrams, B, ketamine, 100 milligrams, C, rocuronium, 30 milligrams, D, succinylcholine, 20 milligrams. So let's review. It's a 75, 75 kilogram male, got a laryngospasm, can't be relieved by positive pressure ventilation. A, lidocaine, 100 milligrams. B, ketamine, 100 milligrams. C, rocuronium, 30 milligrams. D, succinylcholine, 20 milligrams. You know it's D, succinylcholine, 20 milligrams. These are the kinds of questions on the CPC assessment. This is not the initial board certification uh, for CRNAs. It is not nearly as in-depth, broad, or just heinous and horrendous as the NCE. If you're SRNA and you're still listening to this, you actually have a huge, legitimate, super difficult test coming up in your board certification exam. The CPC assessment is so much easier than that. It's not something to worry about. It does not affect your credential. Take it early, follow along with your class A credits, pick up some class B credits, knock out those core modules, take your exam early. That's the CPC rundown, and I'll see you next time. Hey, I wanted to tell you one more thing about the CPC program. Your state board of nursing, their requirements may vary a little bit. So follow these requirements with NBCRNA, but be sure that you understand your state requirements. For instance, I am a Maine CRNA. I work in the state of Maine. Maine used to require more than 100 credits every four years. So Maine CRNAs were actually exceeding the requirements of the CPC program just because we practice in the state of Maine. That recently changed. We're now in alignment that if we follow the total credits, we're meeting the requirements of the state of Maine. However, the state of Maine requires CRNAs to specifically have 15 pharmacology credits every two years. So out of your 100 credits every four years that's required by NBCRNA in the CPC program, main CRNAs have to make 30 of those credits specifically about pharmacology, and we have to do 15 credits every two years. We can't wait to the end of a four-year cycle and get 30 farm credits because we renew our certification in the state of Maine every two years, obviously. And that's different than what the NBCRNA requires. Yes, they have core modules that are based on pharmacology, but out of your 100 credits that you need to get, 60 class A, 40 class B, there's not a sub requirement with CPC program that some of those have to be about pharmacology other than obviously taking your core modules or whatever. So I hope that makes sense. You know, just pay attention to what your state board of nursing requirements are. Hopefully you don't have these extra requirements uh, like we do in the state of Maine, but if you do, Pay attention to that as well. So the CPC program is obviously with the National Board Certification Company, NBCRNA, but your state board of nursing requirements may vary a little bit. And you have to report to both of those organizations, NBCRNA and your state board of nursing. Uh, hit me up in the comment section, shoot me an email, drop me a message on Instagram or Facebook if this is still confusing for you. And I hope this has cleared up a bunch of your questions for the CPC program. And with that, I'll see you next time. Hey y'all, John here. If you're digging the show, will you take a couple of minutes and drop a review of Anesthesia Guidebook on Apple Podcasts? Your comments and ratings help other people trust the show. 
Also, send a leak to the podcast to your classmates and colleagues. Word of mouth is the best way for Guidebook to grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.